Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. And this is that week where you, you put up 26 points in offense plus a, a kick return touchdown for the, the special teams. And so for me, the Pollyanna side of this whole thing was you needed to score points against this team, and you did so. And you did it in a variety of ways. It's not a one-off thing. This yeah. is where if Kane can get himself three, four, five returns in a game, he will eventually break one. And that was a good it was a good changeup. What's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I am Gabe Henderson. I am studio with me inside the TCO radio studio is Jay Nelson and Pete Bursich. Uh, Tatum Everett cannot make it today. Um, Producer Eric Davidson is here, however, and his fantasy team. I haven't asked him, but I'm sure his fantasy team is doing really well. Uh, But here we are after a baby bye week, the Minnesota Vikings nine and two. Are, are are feeling rested, I would say. You 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 look at last Thursday's matchup against the New England Patriots, and uh, going into that game, a lot of people were expecting. Well, I'll put it this way: a lot of people did not know what to expect. Uh, losing forty to three against the Dallas Cowboys four days prior to that game, uh, what the Minnesota Vikings did of putting up over four hundred total yards, and uh, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, both of those guys having a day. Uh, Pete, I'm gonna start with you. What what did you make out of that game? I know we've had a few days to ponder it since we didn't play this past Sunday, but what did you make of that game coming after uh, this Dallas Cowboys loss? Well, you, you bring up a number of good points. I mean, football as in life is, is not what happens to you. It's how you react to it. Putting up three points against the Dallas Cowboys and then turning around merely, what, four days later yeah. and you know doing what they did offensively was, was pretty darn impressive. I think that was the first time – uh, you know, getting a chance to talk to Kirk earlier today on the radio. And it's, it seems like it was the first time that they were able to gel, right? There's a lot going on. There's a lot that Cousins has to handle from a offensive load standpoint. And they were able to execute it at a higher level than, let's say, they normally do. Um, the running game wasn't great, but it was good enough to keep the play-action pass game going. So, as we've said before, you just you, it's great to be explosive in the run game, but if, if it's a day where you're only efficient, again, because the Patriots had a, a, a pretty darn good front, you're able to capitalize on that and do different things. Defensively, you know, still too many mistakes, too many uh, what, what appear to be mental errors from where I sit and watch the game, but they tightened things up right at the end when they needed to. So they did what they needed to do. Uh, they were, we were just lucky that our offense was able to get up and down the field on them. I mean, uh, you look at Mac Jones and, and his numbers going into this game and coming off a week where they put up only three points against the Jets offensively. Um, they were getting in the red zone and then getting backed out because of penalties. And we saw that. We saw that uh, timeliness of penalties come back to haunt them a little bit early on in the game. But it was too easy. I mean, they had, what, 52 yards rushing? Yeah. You know, they were averaging – Stevenson was averaging five yards a carry. So it wasn't as if it wasn't effective. It was, it was more they just got away with it and they felt Mac Jones could just drop back and throw. And they were able to do that. But we tightened things up at the end. You know, six of, I think it was six of the first seven drives they had they scored on. So uh, defensively, we we tightened it up at the end, got good when we needed to, and won a one, uh, yet another one-score football game. The one thing for me that was actually really nice about that whole thing was, you know, the critique this year has been, well, what's going to happen 
when you need the offense to step up if the defense has a game where they don't play as well as as we expect them to. And this is that week where you, you put up, you know, 26 points in offense plus a, a kick return touchdown for the, the special teams. And so for me, the Pollyanna side of this whole thing was you needed to score points against this team against a really good defense, and you did so. And you did it in a variety of ways. Um, you know, we also understand the critiques that everyone's always been bringing up about Kirk in primetime, blah, blah, blah. Like he shattered that this week with, you know, 30 completions, 299 and three touchdowns. You know, there were still a couple of things. He had the interception, had a couple of throws that, you know, were kind of iffy. But at the same point, like you needed him to step up. You needed this offense to step up and score points. And um, that was something for me that was, you know, a bright spot knowing that, you had to try to outpoint a really good defense, and they did. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's nice to score four touchdowns and have four different people do it. Exactly. You know, so the breadth and width of of that is excellent. And we see that around the league. I think you you know you saw you saw with the Jets, uh, the Bears and the Jets games. You know, both of them starting new quarterbacks. And what was different? Both offenses looked better than they had probably the week before, but what was the difference? It was just spreading the ball around. A lot of guys caught touchdowns in that game that hadn't caught a ball For in sure. a long time. And I think that's this time of year, that's that's sometimes the changeup, just spreading that ball around and, and not focusing too much on what's worked the week or two or three weeks before. Yeah, that's a really good point. You talk about spreading the ball. I, th- I feel like the fact that we were able to get the ball out quick and in a hurry, uh, that really helped our offense continue to go forward. And there there wasn't many drop back passes or many play action passes uh, early in the game because we just wanted to get the ball out, out to our playmakers. And Kevin O'Connell was talking to Justin Jefferson about that earlier last week. And I, th- I think you brought this up earlier this morning, Pete. When you have a coach that asks their players questions and then actually listens to those guys, that creates a harmony uh, for the entire team. I think Adam Thielen said that also on the power trip. And uh, th- that that pretty much summarizes this team. It's like, okay, this isn't working right now. Players, what do we need to do to make this better? What are you seeing out there? I have well, the play calls, yeah. but what are you seeing? And And you can ask everybody that question, but you have to be very selective to whom you listen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, you're, you're only sure. because players, I mean, I, having coached, I know players come to the sideline. I'm open on this, and they're not there. I'm getting double teamed on that, and then you know they're pulling the guard here, and you you look at the the pictures and do the best you can. You're like, mm, well, I don't think so. <laughs> and then you watch the film, and you're like, oh, by the way, you were wrong. And they're like, yeah, that's I know. Well, I coach, was, what, I, what I saw, coach. Yeah, so that that part of it is is there. You can't let the inmates run the asylum. No question about that. And the quick passing game is important because, well, let me, let me actually go back a, a step further than that. I think you you look at what happened. There's a couple things I think that happened in the Dallas game. I can talk defensively or offensively, but offensively, you played their game. You were behind the eight ball. We averaged what third and twelve. I think you you came up with that stat yeah. for that game. Third and third 12. and twelve. Yeah. You have no three step passing game when you're third and twelve. None, zero. Right. You have to drop back. Or unless you want to throw a check down and try to let a guy just just run, and they just pin their ears back so, the whole time. Exactly right. So when yeah, when it's third and twelve, third and fifteen, hey, you know, you might jump off sides defensively. Hey, who cares? It's still third and <laughs> ten, right? So yeah, it, it that li- and we know this in the NFL. That little bit of of advantage goes you know goes a long way. The crowd was out of it. Everybody was out of it. I was out of it. It's like oh my god, but to see that it, it, it's still I think that's the most striking part of this whole thing. Is you have Dallas and New England, they're both winning teams, and so you know, so so you're playing a winning program. It's not like you you turned around and played a two, you know, two and nine operation. 
the the drastic difference week in and week out on these teams. It, it's it to me, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, the volatility, not the vol- yeah, the volatility, the the difference that they could look and how much they can improve one week to the next. I mean, that it's it's incredible the the changes. But staying again, being efficient on first and second down. Not looking at third and eight plus. Um, same thing. It's going to be this week with the, with this Jets team. They blitz going into last week. They blitz the second most of any defense in the yeah. NFL. They're very aggressive. So if you play into their hand and you're looking at third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve, you know, and you don't have the short game, you can't throw the hot routes because it's not going to get you first down. Uh, you, yeah, you're going to have some problems. The other thing it kind of does too, I, I would assume, Pete, is if you're hitting those early and you're hitting those quick. Uh, throws early keeps the defense from doing like we were talking about before, pinning their ears back. So, because right. you have to respect either that shallow cross or you have to respect the run game, and then it, it just makes it so that you can't allow that that defensive line, those linebackers, just to be peeling up the middle all the time. Yeah, the greatest thing you can do when a team wants to blitz is just beat them deep. And I, you know, I'm talking 20, 30, 40 yards, right? And that'll definitely put a coordinator on on his heels. And we did that against the Patriots. You know, we did have a couple situations where. You know the defense has you when you see a free rusher to the quarterback because that means they showed a certain look. We turned things this way, and then they came the opposite way. And then to have your receiver be able to the tight end, whomever, no. I mean, that's the that's that's the basic of a hot route. A hot route means the, the receiver is blocking the free blitzer. You don't have enough bodies on the offensive line and running backs to block the number of guys are sending from one half, and that's how the zone blitz started. Overload half of a, a, a side of a, or overload one side of an offense and still be able to play zone behind it so you can disguise better. And you see that free, you know, you're basically as a receiver, you're lined up and you look at them because then the quarterbacks, you see them all around, they line up and they point at a guy. Yep. And they're pointing at him saying, if this guy blitzes, we can't block him. Right. He's the and mic. so the receiver goes, oh, no, the mic is kind of how they set the front. You know who's who's double teaming up to whom up front in the run game, but are you some, talking about the lineman? No, no, I'm talking about the quarterback. The quarterback he'll line up sometimes okay. and he'll point. You know, he'll point outside. Sometimes they'll point at the mic. A lot of times they point and say stuff just to they they keep track of all this. By the way, oh, sure, and say well, you know, every time you run up and say Mike fifty two, so you don't have tendencies. Sometimes the center is the one that does it, but yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. But you'll see him sometimes. You know, put two fingers out and say, hey, if these two guys go, and that's just a heads up to the receiver to say. Oh, so if these guys vacate, then I just run the quick slant, or if it's a you know if a guy's dropping in the middle, I just pivot, you know, whatever. And but you have to be able to do that. And the defense will say, hey, if it's third and seven, third and eight, we'll let you throw and complete it. We'll tackle you. It'll be fourth and one, and we'll get the you know. We'll, that's how that's just how that game goes. That's how you play it. And we were able to to burn them a little bit when they were blitzing. And you do that, and you, if you can consistently do that, you will face a hell of a lot less pressure. Because let's face it, the book is. Get pressure on Cousins, make him uncomfortable. He gets inaccurate, and that's the best way to slow this offense down. Because if you, if I remember the, it was the Carolina game. I think it was two years ago when uh, uh, Jeremy Chin had the almost back to back, a fumble, two, and yeah, two, he had two touchdowns, touchdowns in three plays. Teams who score on defense win over ninety percent of the time. If you score twice on defense, I think it, that might have been the only game in, that I've ever seen where. A defense scores twice, and we still, you know, they, they still don't win. But I remember the, the last bit of that game; they're rushing three and they're dropping eight, and we're picking them apart. And I'm, you're sitting there going, "How long are they going to do this?" Yeah, that's not how you beat. Not a recipe for if success. If you turn this game into a seven-on-seven, seven, Cousins is going to just skin you alive. Hmm. So, point being, 
You want to get pressure on him. You want to get people in his face. You want to do all those things. And if you throw the best you have in the book at him and he's still beating you and moving the chains and getting explosive plays, wow, then, you, then you've got a problem. Well, and that was the thing the week before. Was it 63% of the times he was facing pressure against yep. those, those Cowboys? Yeah, and, that's what, right. and that was the recipe. Because, well, why not? I mean, if you're Dallas, why not? Yeah, and Micah it, Parsons is a lot better of a – you know, he played right. defensive end, which was interesting, but the whole game because they had been moving him around before that. But, yeah, why wouldn't you? Right? For sure. It's just, just let's just go. Let's just blitz. But that was, that's a good adjustment by Kevin O'Connell from game one to game two, basically saying, okay, we have another team that's going to blitz us, so let's not have a bunch of dropbacks or five-step drops or play-action passing. Let's get the ball out now, kind of negate some of that pass rush, and then yeah. let's run our offense. But you don't know if he had that set up for Dallas, too, because yeah, you just true. could never that's get true. to it. That's true. You just could never get to it. And you were chasing. Right, you're chasing. You're not, not that's yeah, true. I mean, you're, you don't start – you shouldn't start chasing until – the amount of scores you need almost barely exceed the number of possessions Time, you expect yeah. to have the rest of the game. Then you're like, you know, we got to get, um, you got to stick with the run and, and stick with the game plan and all that. Be patient. But you just, yeah, you just don't know if if we had some of that or if you had that in the game plan because you're you're taking. I mean, again, look at a call sheet one day. Find one and, and ask. Say, hey, can I have an old call sheet from Coach O'Connell and just look at it and. Look at the number of plays that are available at third and two and third and three. Oh, yeah. And then look at your third and seven plus or third and ten. You know, there's a screen, a draw. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, well, you just don't have them. Well, speaking of third down, I mean, the Cowboys game, we averaged negative three yards on third down. Yeah, PER there you go. We were third and third. We averaged third and 11. But this uh, past New England game, we averaged third and seven, and we gained seven and a half yards per third down. So, we weren't putting ourselves in the right position, but we were able to overcome it by being ahead of the sticks a little bit better than what we were against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And a couple, you know, a couple of good penalty or timely penalties yeah. here and there yeah. helped too. And and I think Cousins uh, did a nice job with with the hard count, drawing a couple offsides when, which is as much as the crowd noise when the opponent offense is on the field is important. It's and we saw that in Cleveland. The Cleveland fans were all telling her, you know, they're all like, yeah. shh, quiet. You know, shh. Offense, offense at work. Don't drive in my right. field. But to manage the hard count and do those things as well, if it moves the chains one time, it's worth it. Absolutely. Right? As long as you're not screwing it up yourself. Well, our 3M play of the week uh, did not need the chains to be moved. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com slash science to learn more. Kane Wangwu. 97-yard touchdown. Uh, before I even talk about it, let's just get right to the play. Folks kick short. Wan Wu from the four near side. Angles to the right, to the five, to the left, to the 10, 15, 20, 25. Kane, toe-tapping the sidelines. Here he goes! Kane Wan Wu, 30, 20, touchdown! That's Kane Wan Wu's third kick return touchdown of his career. One went for 96, and it's 23-22 New England. We needed that play like we needed air to breathe. And um, just going into the end of the first half, when the first half was concluding, uh, the New England Patriots kicked a field goal, and then they got the ball coming out of the half. They went down eight plays, 75 yards, scored 10 unanswered points. And that Kane Wangru touchdown when they kicked the ball off, that completely changed the momentum. It tied the game. And I remember talking to Kane right after the game, asking him about that kickoff. And he was basically saying, 
usually, I guess the kickoff return team, it was like a kickoff return middle. So their goal was to run down the middle of the field. Kene Wangru was to find a hole and then um, hopefully get a touchdown. For the touchdown that he actually returned for 97 yards, he hit the sideline, that left sideline. Yep. And I'm assuming New England Patriots didn't have an answer for that. And Kene, when, when, I mean, when you have that well, speed, you can pretty right. much do whatever you need. You, I mean, you nailed it. It used to be... I mean, back in the day when when you had consistent kickoff returns, that was the that was the plan. I mean, you 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 game plan that much on special teams. You're like, all right, we're going to do this middle return, and we're going to do this and this, and run the wedge, and then we're going to have, uh, you know, this one as a as a in case because you never know if it's a high scoring game, you might have seven or eight returns. Yep. You know, what I mean, more so than just one or two, and so you have Plan B, and that's. That's exactly what that was. I mean, he was Nick Folk could not get the football out of the back of the end zone consistently. And with what we have, um, you got to make teams pay for it. And his two touchdowns that he's had prior to this have been kind of the same thing. It's not it's not a one off thing. This yeah. is where, you know, if Kane can get himself three, four or five returns in a game. He's going to Look, bust one. He's going to bust. You know, he will eventually. He will eventually break one, and that was a good. It was a good changeup because it was middle, 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 and all of a sudden he just kind of weaved his way to the sideline, and away he went. So, um, special teams has been the most consistent of the three phases of the game. I know they weren't happy with the kickoff return back to the fifty-yard line that they gave up, but they they always seem to. Whenever something goes wrong, they always seem to answer the call and make a big play in some way, shape, or form. And that unit itself, uh, C.J. Ham being the captain, that group is 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 really been consistent all throughout the year. The stat that I loved for Kane was so far he is averaging a kick return touchdown every 14 times he touches wow. a kick return. So he's, he's on the fastest pace in NFL history because Cordero just passed the NFL record for most kick returns in a career so far. But he is outpacing Cordero at this point, and he is once every 14 times he touched I would the ball. Be, I would be interested to see. Wow. I would be very interested to see if just look at all the games where he's had three or four returns in, in a game. Maybe let's maybe put it at five, whatever that number is. I guarantee you that every one of those, if I'm not mistaken, every one of those games where he did have a touchdown, he had a three, you know, at least three. Yeah. If you get so my point being is you kick the ball off to this guy four times in a game, he's going to score a touchdown. Fifty percent of the time, or sixty percent. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it's a matter. It's almost like a matter of time. You know, yeah. When, he's if had, he can't get the ball, if he can't get the ball at the back of the end zone, he's had 42 kick returns and three touchdowns. So wow. like that's an insane. That's an insane thought, and that's part of it too for me is why like you know nobody really wants to kick to him. I, that everyone's like, why don't why don't why do they always kick it out of the end zone? I'm like, why would you take the chance? Yeah. on a guy like that who's being that consistent. Back in the day, that would have taken him eight games. Sure. To get 42 kick returns. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah everyone right. wanted you know what to. I mean? Right. They didn't feel like kicking it out the back. You know, they didn't want to give it to you that way. But and, and that's the thing. Like, when you see them coming up short, I mean, at this point in the NFL, you almost look at it and say that is a tactic that a team is trying to do, saying that they're not going to get back to the 25. You know, they, they're going to get shorter. For a guy like this, though, do you take that chance? And and personally, if no. I was a coach, I'm like, you no. kick that thing out of the end zone right. every single time. time. Every single I'm time. I'm not giving him the chance. We're not doing this, uh, yeah, let's just try to hang it up in the air and <laughs> get our guys uh, you know, down to the down to the 15-yard line when he catches it. No, you don't mess with any of that. But in addition to that, we've got to get another tip of the cap to the offense because before that kickoff return, time of possession was heavily, yep. heavily 
in the Vikings' favor. So that it. way, the def- you know the defense is out there. They give up a touchdown. You know you're out there for a couple. You're out there for a while, and then that's the downside I mean, if there is one. You get a kickoff return for a touchdown. The defense is like, yeah, yeah hell yeah, back <laughs> uh, get back out. You know, here we go. We'll do it again. You got to get back out there. Uh-huh. It's like, oh boy, yeah. That's, so that's not what you want. You know. So despite the Patriots having a couple of offensive series in a row. Let's just call it that. The time of possession didn't get um, didn't get too far away from us. Unlike like against Dallas, it was twenty minutes to forty minutes. It was just it was insane the amount of time that that defense was on the field. And guys, from a game to game basis, you're like, yeah, you know. But if can if you consistently run 10, 15 more plays on defense week in and week out, six or seven games, you know, it's 60, 70, 80 more plays. That's another game or two. It was essentially 36-24 for the game for, yeah. for time of possession. Yeah, so you're adding a lot more snaps. You're, you know, your defense or your offense, depending on whatever it is, you're, you're adding more snaps. And I think defensively, offensively, more snaps is, is usually better because as, as you've seen on any game, the more snaps an offense gets, the better they get. Uh, defensively, it wears you out. And you don't want to have a defense that has two more games under their belt from a play standpoint as you get toward the playoffs. And I think one of the other stats that just jumped out to me, too, from that game was when you look at it, it says first downs from penalties. The Vikings had five. The Patriots had zero. Like yeah. those those things of playing disciplined football and making sure that you're doing the little things to not shoot yourself in the foot. Like that is a huge stat, I think, from this game is the five first downs from penalties. Yeah, yeah. it helps. I mean, it helps. And and if you want to talk about what things that stand out from a, you look at the numbers of the game, and I mean, Mac Jones was struggling mightily, and then you know they had they had two hundred and twenty four passing yards, I believe, in in the in the games beforehand. And they eclipsed that sometime, I think, in the third quarter. Yeah, or second th- quarter. I mean, he had three eighty two for the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's so that's like, okay, that's that's a little disturbing. Well, when you turn on the film of the Jets, um, as we move forward, uh, Mike White, who probably is going to be their starting quarterback this upcoming Sunday, following a, a three touchdown game, three hundred and fifteen yards. Um, against the Chicago Bears, what's left of the Bears? It, that that that's too. That, that's going to be interesting because the second time you play the Bears is going to be a completely different team. Well, speaking, yeah, you're speaking, like, who are these guys? Yeah, right. Well, speaking of, it might be a completely different team for us too. You got you got to think about you know really our like our offensive line. No, I'm just saying as far as like we might have clinched the division. You oh, know, and, okay. and maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. But as far this, as like you know health wise, I mean we're. I mean you look at the NFC North standings. So uh, what so you're what you're say. saying is that you're when we go to Chicago that your Saturday night schedule is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was back at the hotel by 10:30. Now it's back at the hotel by 3:30. Yeah, is that P- what you're trying to tell me? PM. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was we, showing up for the game. He's going to be out running around Chicago <laughs> for the for it's, Sunday. It's like I said to PA earlier. You walk in, you know, the old, the new, the new Soldier Field is built inside the, the old, old yeah, Soldier yeah. Field, and by the old Soldier Field, I mean the original Soldier Field. That yep. the most people to ever watch a football game was in Soldier Field. It's a Catholic League championship. They had one hundred and thirty thousand people in there. And it's like the big house. What I say, the one that we grew up with when they had turf and everything there. They had the one end zone that was straight, and the other one was curved, so it looked like a like a like a paperclip that was cut in half. Yep. And the buses used to pull in on the flat side, and you would look up and you would see wooden bleachers that wow. were there. And that, I mean, that field used to look like Darlington Raceway. Sure. Or not Darlington, but, uh, uh, you know, Richmond or whatever. It was like, it was just this, this humongous circle and it was flat. And anyway, 
but you walk in and we go buy all their cars, right? If you walk to the booth, you have to walk around and then they had their parking lot in there. And and what what Gabe's saying is that they'll be double wide with U-Hauls <laughs> all parked in there, which they'll leave running during the game, right? Warm up you, the bus. So yeah. that your you know your diesel fuel doesn't gel because right. it's going to be January. Yeah. And so thanks, Gabe. I appreciate that. I got. I'll. I'll, I'll uh, I'm going to have to rethink what I'm going to do for the Bears game. I, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, we, we have a five-game lead in the NFC North, and there are six games left in the season. So however you want to overthink that or underthink that, there is um, opportunities for our backups to play that final I'll game of the season. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. That's true. That's true. You know what the magic, the, the, the magic formula is for this week, right? When? Uh, if we win and Detroit loses, then we clinch. I did not know that. Yeah. But if we beat Detroit next week also, if Detroit yeah. wins. But I'm just okay. saying, like, if you want to clinch this week, if we beat the Jets and Detroit loses, we clinch. Well, it, it's a hierarchy of needs. And that's, I'm sure, I mean, I haven't sat in any team meetings, but that's kind of what you what you say is, is, is at some point in the beginning of the year, you're like, okay, these are our goals. Our first, first goal is to win the division. Yep. Next goal is to be the number one seed, right? And then, you know, host playoff games, the whole thing. So – you track the goals that you have, and it's like, okay, guys, we're yeah. you know we got this, we got, we got the first one mm-hmm. almost out of the way, right? But we're still chasing the big prize, or we're still you know we're still chasing uh, a home NFC Championship game, right? And then obviously getting the Super Bowl and everything else. So, which is why it kind of baffled me that fans were cheering for the Philadelphia Eagles, well, cheering for the Green Bay Packers versus the Philadelphia Eagles on uh, Sunday Night Football. Uh, last night, Which why is, they were, why they were. I'm like, you, let's win the division first. Like, let the Eagles Wait, beat the Packers. No, That's I, what that I'm was. I'm the me. other way. I'm the, the other way. way. Okay. I was. I Wait, was. You going, want, I mean, the best thing for the Vikings, if you take a step back, is to have the Packers win. Yeah. Right. And you, yeah. were, you said you were, you were still chasing you were, that number. Yeah. One. I was. I was. I was honestly. I was what you just said. You have your goals of like, okay, let's get one thing done at a time. Like I just yeah. wanted to get the Packers out the way first. The every Eagles, time, every just, have a every, tougher schedule. Hey, every time Philadelphia or Dallas loses, that's good because yeah. it, if it does come, we don't have we lose a tiebreaker on both both of them. Yeah, right. So it's like anytime either one of those teams lose, that's a good thing. Whoever's playing them, you, you know, they hope you hope they win. I understand what Jay's saying. I mean, it's it's not like you can. Room for the Packers. It's hard. It's tough. But at the same point, I was looking at the bigger prize of if you're chasing that number one seed, then that's why. And trust me, like I was saying to people, you know, I always look at the Packers. They're kind of the zombies. It's like I want them. I want them gone as soon as possible. Yeah. Right. The but, other the other asterisk to all this is is a coach. You got to say, guys, you 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 want to control your own destiny for sure. Right. You 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 don't want to be in a situation where you're depending on another team to do your job or a job that you should have done that you weren't able to. So as of right now at this moment, you're in control of yeah. how, how what kind of a shot we're going to have at being the number one seed in the division. So let's just keep going about that. And the reason I bring that up is when you get to you know New Year's Day and you're in, in Green Bay and they're trotting out some people you've <laughs> yeah. never heard of. Sean Mayen. Right. You know, that keeps you from or the team from going, oh, you know, this doesn't really matter. Let's just go out there and throw the ball around, put on a good show and. It's like no, 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 no. We're, we're this. We're, we're not. We. It's not as if you once you win the division, you quit. Oh, absolutely right. not. Right. Well, you remember '09, right? Like you were rolling, 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 and then basically you lost. Was it uh, three of five to end the season? Yeah, and backing you. into the playoffs, and, and everybody was worried about Dallas coming in here and, and whooping us. And, yep. And then you were, so. and then you also gave it up for New Orleans Saints, and you had to go play down there for that NFC Championship, like. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you want to control your own destiny. You want to win these kind of games and 
however you get there, you're just looking for that advantage to make sure that if that is a goal that you want to potentially get to that number one seed, and then, yeah. how do you get there? Like that was an opportunity last night. And I'm just thankful, I'm just I'm thankful we can have this conversation. For sure. That we can Absolutely. Even, because let's face it, nation, national media wise, we're not even we're not even in the picture. Because of the Dallas loss. It's all yeah, I mean opinion. it's all Philly, Dallas, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Right we're, so. I mean, and, and we're above two of those three teams. Right. No, it's not rightful. I don't know if no, it's saying, rightful. I'm just so. thinking of like the the teams that the wins that they have won and some of the losses that they have lost. It looks better on their resume than it does ours. Like the Cowboys, forty to three, and then twenty four to seven to the Eagles. When you compare that to Dallas's losses, it makes our losses look a lot worse. No, so no. it's like it is I mean, rightfully, I, I think we're a better team than what we showed. What the numbers show, but that day we were not at our not at our. I'm best. just saying they're they're all over a seven and four team with the 49ers, and they're saying it's gonna you know it's gonna be Philly who doesn't look like they did earlier in the season. I mean they're still good, but they they you know they're they're not the same team. They got the Titans, Eagles, and Cowboys three out of four weeks. All right, so you, in the Titan, you know the Titans, Titans Giants, and Cowboys. Every yeah. time you every time you sit the Giants the, twice. And what's the deal with the Titans? They're at home. They have Henry. You're like, they're going to beat Cincinnati, right? No. And then they go somewhere with half their <laughs> offensive line missing, right, and, and end up winning. It's I don't know. I can't figure out the Titans for the for the life of me. But you're right. Yeah, they got – they. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Good for them. Good luck. And, uh, you know, whatever. And the Jets are going to be flying high after what they just did to the Bears, putting up 31 points. And, you know, White coming in doing 315-3. and three. Like, they're yeah. – they're, the nice thing, at least on my end, looking at that is to say this wasn't White's first game coming up against us. Yeah. Like you have at least a game of film to know what they want to do. And, you know, you have a guy like Garrett Wilson who people were uh, raising eyebrows saying this kid's supposed to be, you know, the guy going forward. Hadn't been doing hardly anything so far this season. Ended up having five for 95 and two touchdowns. So they're starting to kind of look at those younger guys as the future. And, and they're working together because they've been working together. And so I just I, – I, for me, I like the fact that they – you did have at least some sort of film to watch this week uh, against the Jets going into this game. Jay, those are, those are all good points. But before we get there, I want to ask Pete about the defensive side of the ball because um, I was watching film this morning and – Pretty much the Jets have two really good cornerbacks, and they play very physical in their front seven. How do you negate that? The Patriots, they had a really good front seven, but their cornerbacks weren't as great. So how do you negate really good cornerbacks when you want to take shots? You're talking about a passing game? On a pass, just offense. Yeah, um, formation, shift, and motion. Okay. Right? You, it's hard to jam a guy when he's in motion. But it's also hard to get deep down the field when you're in motion because you're you know you're not going north and south at the snap of the football, but you can you can help yourself out with. There's a difference between a guy you know if you're jamming and then playing man and then you know rolling up and jamming and playing cover two, okay. So keeping your guys moving, and the other thing is if you're seeing man to man defense, the ability to run the football is is also important because. The running the football part when you're trying to beat a good man-to-man team like, let's say, Miami, is, number one, you need a quarterback that can scramble. Because if you can get them loose and all eyes are on the – the DBs are all chasing their receipt, you know, yes. you're going to – you're gonna, grass. But we don't have – you know, Kirk's not that guy. That's one of the things I loved in the New England game is he actually stepped up, moved in the pocket, and got some things Instead down the plays. field. That's yeah. And they were talking about that all weekend long is that it's the, it's the era of the mobile quarterback. It's like, yeah, well, you have to be mobile to throw. Because if you keep running the football, you're going to Justin Fields get hurt. You can't. You just can't survive long term. 
Anyway, so running the football, especially outside, down, 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 you know, pull a guy. There's certain things that you can do to just not make them as comfortable playing man. You can do, you know, short passing game works too. I mean, if you you put tight ends and running backs in the backfield and have those guys moving around all over the place, you know, some bootlegs. You just got to keep them guessing. Yeah, you got to keep them guessing. And and I think that's where offensively you can – it took, like I said, in Miami, against Miami – we struggled for a number of drives, and then we finally got the right routes at the right times, and they were big plays. Will they were huge plays, well, like the Justin Jefferson thing. You line in a bunch, and he acts like he's going to do the crossing route, takes a couple steps, and then basically the other two receivers are almost picks, and then he just runs a go, and boom, you got a huge play. And oh, by the way, if someone misses a tackle, that's a touchdown. Sick, sure. So you know, running after the catch is also huge. So then you're like, okay, TJ. I was going to say that's where a guy like Hawkinson is. You know, what safety do they have that can cover him man to man? I I think that the when they brought him in, I think Hawkinson was kind of the answer to two man. If you want to play man against Jefferson, meaning man in a a safety over the top, then you have to deal with this six foot six behemoth who can run after the catch. He's you know he he has an eighty some yard reception already this year, so it may be a big TJ Hawkinson game. But that's where, like, if you do, like we did this past week with that short passing game where a guy like TJ is going to be able to, you know, basically run down the seam and then just turn and yeah. just keep moving the chains. Or just, yeah, and then just, it just allows – that allows you, as soon as they start to sit on that, to throw the deep ball and, and make them pay. And when they play two – you know, when you play two-man, you don't just have – you can play it where you just have two – like the two safeties play like cover two and everybody's man underneath. Or you can mini-package it where – the safeties combo in with a certain look, a certain receiver all across the board, but you don't see it's almost impossible. I mean, how do you play two man with a linebacker and a safety, right? It's <laughs> yeah. it's tough. To, they're chasing. It's tough yeah. to do. Yeah. So Draw. he's going to get the one on one, and and that's the thing. It's like you're you've you've got to he's got to win that one on one. If if that's what you're gonna get, yeah, uh, Jay. Back to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I know you brought up Mike White. That's that's the huge talking point going into Sunday. Everyone wants to talk about Justin Jefferson and Sauce Gardner, but national news will be: Can Mike White keep this uh, winning streak or this you know buzz or this fill up? Has he won the locker room? Uh, there were you know terms basically saying he's the king of New York now. So th- there there will be a lot of opportunities for us to you know get after him. But but Pete. With a guy like Mike White, when you turn on the film, there haven't been many teams when you look at the Bengals game last year that he won and then uh, this past Sunday against the Chicago Bears. There are not many teams that are getting after him. One, because he gets the ball out of his hands early. But two, he doesn't force throws. True. What you saw, I think, or what was uh, a, a shot in the arm for the for the Jets, number one, was he was throwing the ball to everybody. Right. Um, he can throw both quarterbacks and mainly what but white too. This they threw a lot of passes in tight coverage, right? The slants, the quick throws, the, you know, across the middle of the field, the Jimmy Garoppolo specials, right? Yeah. You're just you're just you're threading the needle. He threaded he you know, he was threading the needle, threading the needle. One of their big plays was was the play that the safety from the Bears blew his foot out, you know. Yeah. And and so the the right play at the right time, that always helps as well. But for him to come into th- – it's a little different playing a nicked up, traded up Bears team at home and then coming into a U.S. Bank stadium where it's going to be loud. It's going to be a completely different environment for for him to run an offense this week as opposed to last week. So, you know, good for him. Good luck. And, you know, the, the, the Jets are going to be facing – 
a much better football team top to bottom than they were the Chicago Bears. And so, you know, we'll see how he does. But I, I don't think you have any worries about about blitzing this guy and letting him get loose. I mean, he can move the chains on you, but he's not gonna he's not gonna kill you with his legs. And they they threw to ten different receivers and they ran the ball with seven different running backs or at least rushers at that point. So like right. they're agnostic as far as it goes to who's getting the ball. But that's but that but that's where the the shot in the arm comes from because yeah. now all of a sudden everybody's like, oh my gosh, I could be getting the football, right? Everyone's I could be carrying attention. them. I could be yeah. yeah everybody's Every paying attention. Live. Exactly. And so, can they continue to do that? That's the that's the question. Can he keep that up in a hostile environment? You know, good, you know, ideal weather conditions, the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's a, the, those are all really good points. And I think it goes back to last week when people were not giving us a chance against the New England Patriots because they had just beat the New York Jets. And they were like, well, this is a great defense. And people were like, well. They are a good defense. The Minnesota I mean, Vikings are a really good offense. And this yep. is a really good team also. So, And if you listen to Belichick after the game, you know, what he said was, yeah, Cousins made the right moves and the right checks and right calls at them, made the right plays at the right time. So there we go. You know, that, that's, that's why I said earlier that from a systemic standpoint, that may have been the best that this offense looked. Meaning taking what you see and then, you know, it's, it's a more complicated system, right? You, you're not just out there executing the play that they call. It's, hey, we, you know, we're, we're going to take advantage of what's out there and what we can. And, and that requires a lot more mental load. And I think that's positive and uh, refreshing to see that we can beat a team in multiple ways. Like we can just take, you know, we can nickel and dime a team down the field, run them when the run game isn't working. OK, we could, you know, get long handoffs with passes or if that's not working, OK, we can run the ball. And we already know what Kirk can do in play action passing and everything from from that standpoint. But there there are a number of ways to skin a cat. And Kirk Cousins said that on PA show this week. And it's been positive to see how we can continue to 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 do that going forward. You need balance. You can't. You don't see teams with a number one offense and a number twenty two defense make it to the Super Bowl. You don't see teams that can run the ball and not throw the ball or vice versa make a deep run in the playoffs because you're always going to go up against a team that can counter what you're best at doing if you are one-handed. And yeah. the balance side of it is what's important. And that's from this from this team, I think offensively we have that balance. Defensively, I don't I don't know if we have that yet. Our defensively we're we're living off of sacks and turnovers. Yeah. Right? And when those dry up, then you know right. it, it's right. like it, it's tough. Then you got to sprint as an tough. offense. Yeah, it's it's tough. So they got to figure out a way defensively to get a little more consistent. Well, uh, Vikings fans, thank you again for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Uh, always great to talk to Vikings analyst, former Vikings linebacker Pete Bursich. Uh, Jay Nelson is a mainstay as always, as well as Eric Davison. So. We'll see you on Friday. There's another edition of this coming out on Friday on KFAN. So, oh boy! <laughs> well, stay tuned to Vikings.com for the most up-to-date coverage of the team. Uh, but Vikings fans, thank you again for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, presented by Pepsi. Hey, Vikings fans! Number 96 Brian Robinson is bringing NYC's cheesiest food stand to U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit Mac Truck Mac and Cheese on Minnesota Vikings game days for a new game time snack.